I know quite a few of you. I've seen a few of you before. Some, some I don't know. Um, so, uh, I think an introduction first of all. Um, I'm Tim Coleman, married to a, a lady called Yvonne, and we live in a place called Rowley Regis, which is just outside Birmingham. I have three daughters. The oldest is 31, the middle one is 28, and the youngest is 25. And I have one granddaughter. Woo! And if I get through three days without talking about Elsie, it won't happen really. Um, so, something that, that crops up when you, when you have a, a grandchild is you're very different with your grandchildren the way, than the way you were with your own children, apart from the fact that you can give them back at the end of the day, which is great fun. Um, both m- my wife and I, we have this aching love for this little girl. She's only 16 months old and she's just got our hearts, just captured our hearts and we... We're besotted with her, you know, we can't be, wherever we are, it's who we talk about, it's who we think about, we have a coffee, we go out for a coffee for ourselves, a bit of romance time and talk about Elsie. <laughs> and, and, it, and it struck me that Jesus is the firstborn, so that makes us the grandkids of dad in heaven, because he's the real firstborn, the first child, and then we all come from him. Now I know how I feel about my granddaughter and I'm thinking, if he feels like that about me, that's quite amazing. So part of what I will do this weekend, and um, I'm, I'm glad we've had a night just with the worship team. There may be some other people here who tagged in because you just want to get tagged in. And I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd heard rumours, I'd heard rumours. Uh, <laughs> that's fine, that's fine. Um, but I, but I want to uh, want to talk about worship because um, it's something I've done for well, re- really, I'm 57 years old and I've been doing this since well, for about 40 years. Um, I've been involved in writing songs and leading worship, and uh, we've got our own worship team at the church now, and and often they they uh, will do the worship, but but I still play as many weekends as possible, and. Something happens when, when I lead worship, and it's that what I want to talk to you about, particularly you, the worship team. Um, I, I can put it into words, but the, the, perhaps the best is just to, to say what happens. So I, I, I've been invited on quite a few conferences, local conferences, and been the joint worship leader with someone else on, 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 on show. And um, so it begins with the other guy. And he, and he says, okay, I'll do a couple of songs and then, then I'll hand it over to you and you can do a couple of songs. And it, it's not interrupted. It's not like we sing and then we stop singing and do something. So it's a continuous sort of worship. And so he, he gets up and he, he does a song and people clap and, and, uh, and people, you know, enter in. And then he does a second song and, and people, you know, raise their hands and enter in. And then he stops and then he hands it over to me and he says, Okay, you, you, you start the next one. So I start the next one. I don't sing any words and people start crying. <coughs> people start laughing. People start falling down. I'm not singing any words yet. So it becomes clear that there's something that, that can happen that, that you can carry as a worship team that, that releases more than singing, obviously. I'm, I'm not going to be saying things you don't know, I'm sure. But I'm not here to say, 
these are the five Hebrew words for worship, and this is what they mean. We're not doing that, right? I want to speak much more practically, much more from the heart about what, what this all is for me. Hi. <laughs> So. so I'm hoping to ask a few questions and make a few statements that, that you'll go, oh. And if I've done that, I've, I've succeeded in what I came to do, you're right? It's not that you go away with lots of knowledge and lots of ideas even. It's just that you go away going, oh, Okay. So the first thing, I'm going to read a verse to you, which you will have all heard before, uh, when Jesus um, teaches us to pray. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I kind of recognize that what we've all done is we want healing on earth because, he, you know, there's no sickness in heaven. That's the kind of theory we're being taught. And so we want God's power and miracles to be released as they are released on you know we want prosperity you know because there's riches in heaven so we want them released on earth where is worship worship began in heaven and it's in heaven now right now around the throne there's this this tumult of, of angels circling the throne and singing and and the glory is is manifested for me True worship is when we tap into what's happening in heaven and we bring it to earth. A lot of our worship is we offer it up as a sacrifice of praise, which is scriptural. But there is now this understanding that if we, we, we want to engage with the heavenlies, we want to engage with the presence of God. So our mindset has to kind of change a little bit from we sing this song it will get us there but that's we will be talking about doing that as well rather than okay god it's happening now what do i do how do i how do i sense that how do i tune in with that how, how do i begin to flow in that because it seems like there's this river of of god's glory this river of his presence this river of of praise and worship and, and we either get in it and we start to flow with it and when you're in that river, things happen in that river. So like me and this other guy, two, two songs we sang, and then we stepped in the river. Now, not everyone knows how to step in the river, and that's, the th that's okay. Not every body who leads worship and understands worship has that ability to do that, but we can be taught. Because the, the most important thing is, can I do that? when I'm on my own. Now mind leading others into it. Can I get into that place where I'm overwhelmed in worship? Where I'm experiencing God's encounters with me alone in my room? So something you might not know about me, some of you, I may have said it before. Uh, in terms of worship, when I was 20 years old, I worked um, as a draftsman. I loved, I loved uh, the old-fashioned, not, not computers, with the board and the ruler and, you know, that stuff. Yes, that, that was the old-fashioned old way. Each time, my, uh, the church, which my father was the pastor of, was round the corner from where I worked. So um, most lunchtimes, I would leave work,
go around to church, which was empty. Fortunately, I had a key and didn't have to break in every time. But this, and I'd go in and sit for an hour with my guitar and worship the Lord. Many days of the week. So I learned to worship him in private before I did in public. We kind of have it a little bit different today. We go to college, university, learn, learn a craft, a skill. And, and then our congregations and our leaders and our churches say, Oh, can you play guitar? Would you like to be in the worship team? <laughs> and that's probably our first encounter for some of us with, with being in worship. We, we kind of are invited to be part of something. But that's not how it began for me. And even if that's what you've been asked to do, you need to develop the private stuff. That's far more important than your group stuff. I'm going to say something to you now, which I say to every worship team I've ever said it to, I've ever spoken to, and none of them like it. I don't believe in practice. That's it. Just kick him out now. We don't want, what's that rubbish he's bringing? No, all worship is live. Okay? So, so your worship nights, the nights that you come together to practice, don't practice. <laughs> so I, I, said this to, I said this to someone. I said, if we're bringing a new song at, at, at our church, it generally happens like this, that they get up on a Sunday morning and I hand them the piece of paper with the new song on. <laughs> and that's the first they've seen of it, right? But I've been worshipping with that song for probably three or four months on my own. So I know I can pick my guitar up and I'll just begin worshipping because I've felt the spirit in this song. I don't need them to know how it goes and what we do in this. That's not important. Everything about a song is can you worship with it? If it's just a good song and you've all learned great things of it, that's brilliant. But are you worshipping in it? If you're not, dump it. It don't matter. Even, you know, even if Graham Kendricks wrote it or Tim Hughes wrote it or, you know, or Martin Smith wrote it, if you can't worship with it, don't do it. You're just following you know, the, the culture that everybody else is singing that one. Yeah, but it doesn't bring us into worship. So we're not doing that. You know, have you ever had, you have this, I'm sure, because we do as well, where you get a song and, and, and suddenly it takes off and everybody loves it. So you do it to death. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's every week for about two months, this song is done. And you realize mm, the anointing's kind of, it's a bit like Moses coming down the mountain with the, you know, he's got the veil over his face. And, and Paul says, it's not there, you know, because the glory is too great. It's there to hide the fact that it's, it's diminishing, you know, that's what it's for. And that's what happens with these songs. We overdo them, but still. So we're constantly looking for, not new songs, but new things that lead us into worship. Okay. There's something that I may do with you tomorrow, I don't know, uh, which is, and you probably do it anyway, but like spontaneous worship where actually we don't even have any words we just start playing some music and then somebody starts singing just a line and it gets repeated and and you sense that you're getting into the spirit of what's happening here rather than there's a song that tells us everything about the character and the goodness of God and we've got to get into the understand the character and goodness of song because we're reading the words you know it's not really about that for me 
You know, if I'm kind of cutting across any lines here, I don't care. Um, <laughs> but secondly, what I've experienced, it does work. When you have a, a, a guy who leads worship in a big church, and I only have about 70 people in, in, in my church. That's not a big church. It might be big to you. I don't know. But um, I've been to churches where they've got six or 700 people. And I've sat in their worship when, when the worship's gone on. And absolutely nothing happens. And I've been asked to get up and just do one song. And I've done one song. And the whole place starts singing in tongues. People who've never sung in tongues before start singing in tongues. Because you are, you as worship leaders and as worshippers, if you first become worshippers, as in that's what you do at home, then you do that in front of people. They see you worshipping. They, they observe the worship that's going on in you. They step in. That's what we're really about. You know it's not about entertainment. I can tell that already. I've met you, talked, you, talked with you. But the worship of heaven... Asking for that to come, beginning to seek God for, to join in with heaven's activity. It's something I'm going to share with you a little bit more about shortly, as to how do we begin to notice it, how do we begin to sense when something's happening, uh, and that's from another world, because that's what it is. The kingdom of God is, the kingdom of heaven is that sort of area where the angels and the presence of God and the glory of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwell. And we want to be able to sense that realm as real as we sense the realm. You know, when the, uh, you may not have this in your church. I hope you haven't got the tambourine player. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? Oh, thank God. <laughs> you know, everything's going great and then suddenly it starts. And it's not in tune, is it? it's, it's just hopeless. I've also got for tonight, um, I, I, I think most of you know about the Jesus ministry and uh, original design, that particular phraseology. If, if you don't, uh, that's okay. I, I asked God for an original design for every single one of you in the team. And then I asked people in my church to give original design. So everybody's got two pieces of original design. And after I'd finished that, I said, Lord, what does the worship team look like? And the Lord's given me a picture um, that I want to share with you afterwards. That's Well, I, I, it was quite exciting for me to, to see what God was showing. So I'll, I'll share with, at the end of the night. I want to do that more of a personal thing. Speaking of end of the night, when is that? <laughs> um, as long as I'm engaging you then, I think, really. As long as we're getting somewhere. Yeah. So how do we know? If we've worshipped. How do we know if we've worshipped? <laughs> good question, isn't it? Well, we had a good time. Uh, <laughs> we didn't make any mistakes. No, no, that's, that's, not, that's not what it is. How do we know if we've worshipped? That, that, that's the big question for me. I, I'm not interested in how well we did and, uh, you know, what, what songs worked, what songs didn't work. On Sunday morning, we had... Um, a failure with our uh, uh, computer. Uh, we put the songs on the computer. They were ready to ready, ready to rock and roll. We put we'd put a new song on. We're ready to rock and roll. 
I'd sat down with God and asked, you know, what is it? And we put these songs on. And, and an hour before every meeting, I meet with a couple of guys and we just pray over the meeting and we, we ask God what he's doing today. And we start to get, you know, different experiences each time we do that. And on Sunday morning, as I'm sat there in the room, God's presence overwhelms me and I can't speak. And I'm going, okay, you're really heavy in this room right now. Okay, don't know what that's about, but I'd love to carry that out with me into the into the room so we so we go downstairs into the room and they're shouting across to me it's gone down it's gone down you know no songs can't have them on the don't worry about it took a piece of paper and i thought five songs which have got about three words in them you know those ones you know holy holy i just went put five titles down i said look if god's in it it'll work we hadn't gone two songs in and the power of god came in the room people were being healed it was just incredible. But we'd freed ourselves from the shackles of, you know, the computer, the songs, the list, whatever. And we just went for Somerton. It was great to just chill out with God. You know what I mean? Um, and that's, that's really, I would love that to be the case every week. It wasn't like that. We have a morning and an evening service. It wasn't like that in the evening. You ever get that? One week you have one of those weeks and it's just the best thing. And the next week it's not like that. And who, and who is it? <laughs> you know. It's usually the drummer. <laughs> I, I, I love, I absolutely love my worship team. I've got a bass player called Steph, uh, a keyboard player called Don, and a drummer called Jane and two singers, violinists, that's about it. And, uh, man, but we can rock this place. It's really improved. So when I get asked to go other places, and I'm, I'm going to say this now, and you're all going to go, <gasps> because I'll be playing with you Sunday morning, <laughs> right? Getting people to follow you as the worship leader can be really hard, because they don't know, especially when they've never played with you before. So we go to this one church, uh, a black church, and we, they've got a drummer. Our drummer can't go. So I said, we've got a drummer, a little lad, about this big. <laughs> he gets up. And I have this thing where I like to go fast. I like to go quiet. But I know whatever I do, the whole of my worship team spot it immediately. And they go down with me. So I'm thinking, I'm just going just gonna to lead. So I'll lead and I'm worse. Then sings my soul, my saviour. And then I go, na, 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 quiet. And the drummer's going, boom, 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 boom. You know, and I'm going, okay. So I stopped. I stopped. And I looked over at him. I said, when you're ready. It's, it's, it's so easy with instruments that we're good at to feel that, that you know, nobody hears like this but I feel like we've got to be heard we've got to, you know our bit's got to be seen or whatever it, it, it really isn't about that you know your instrument worships your instrument worships what does it say in the New Testament though if it doesn't have love in it it's a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal so even your instruments if it's love which is worship can sound you know, put a discord. 
So there's something about that unity thing, you know, that's really significant for, for us to understand. So how do we know if we've worshipped? What's the first aim of worship? Maybe you've got of a worship team. Maybe you, I don't want to put you on the spot because you'll all have different times and only I'm right. So. Um, the, the first aim of a worship team is to be worshippers. Okay? It's to be worshippers. You, you need to know how to do that alone, but you also need to do, know how to do it as a group. You guys need to have nights together where you just blast it out, where you just get so lost in God, worshipping him. Because you'll carry that with you then into the next time you lead the worship. You know, When worship practice, if that's what you call it, becomes about what key it's in, what's the tempo, you know, when do we do a chord change, when, when it becomes about that stuff, then that's what the stuff is on Sunday morning. But when it becomes, man, did we have fun with this song? Remember we did, oh man, that's going to be awesome Sunday morning because it was awesome. Now, that's what you are first, worshippers. And the Bible says this, doesn't it? It said that we should worship him in spirit and in truth. And I don't know, you've probably had that sermon preached a million times about what that means. So, and you may have even taught it here. Chris, as, as the kind of worship leader, you may have thought, I'll give them some Bible teaching tonight. <laughs> um, so, worship is definitely a spirit thing, but it is also a flesh thing or an emotional thing. When it says worship in spirit and truth, uh, uh, two quick, simple definitions. First one is this, worship in spirit means to worship in spirit. That was really an easy one to give you. To worship in flesh means to work at w- worship with your emotions. If, if we're not engaged, and that's the truth, sorry, worship in truth is to worship with your emotions. So for example, you come one Sunday and you're feeling really lousy. I, I, I shouldn't really be on the team this morning, I really had a bad week, I'm feeling terrible. Just the time to put you on the team so you can worship. Worship from your brokenness, man that releases something, because God's going... Look at that. That person doesn't want to do that this morning. They just don't feel right. But they're giving it me. Whoa. It attracts heaven. But what do we do? Are you in a good mood today? You're on the team. You know what I mean? It's like, are you feeling? Great, come and join the team. And it's like, no. It's, the truth is, whatever's going on, I need to be able to worship him from that. If only we worship him when everything's great. It's not really, you know... What he's after. He's after truth. That's what I mean by truth. Worshiping spirits, I'm going to say more about that shortly rather than, than now, if that's all right with you. The second thing I, I always think about when I talk to people is we're supposed to be leading people in worship. That's the phrase, that's the terminology of a worship team. We lead the congregation into worship, supposedly. Right? That's our, that's our task. Well, first of all, you can't lead people to somewhere where you aren't, which is why I said first you have to be worshippers, why you need to really blast out that night together in just getting lost in worship, just getting to know what you guys feel like when you get lost in worship. You need to know that because then you, you'll sense it on the morning. You know, You need to get that real sense of, even to the point where sometimes we're, you won't be able to play because you're so encountering him. You can lead people where you have been, is what I'm saying. 
And if you're not going there, if you're not encountering God um, as a worship team, then how can you lead people to that place? And the other thing I always think about leading people into worship is, is we tend to lead people into singing rather than into worship. Because you put the song up for them, that's the, that's the first clue. <laughs> that's the first clue. And then we start the tune and they go, oh, I know this one. So clear, clearly they're kind of focused on, you know, a tune, a song, and, you know, can they sing it or not? So in, in terms of our first connection with them, it tends to be that we're leading them into the next song that's on the screen. How we then get them to go from there to worship and there to what I call encounter, which I'll explain later. I'll, I'll explain a lot later, by the way. Um, is <laughs> uh, it, all down to what you guys do together and what you do, guys do on your own. You know, we, we, so, so leading people into worship is because we've been there and we're bringing you there. Like, uh, one of my other favourite top topics to speak about is the Father Heart of God. I love talking about that. It's one of those experiences I had 11 years ago where I've been a pastor for 10 years. I've been a cr- Christian for 52 years. Um, so, 11 years ago, I'd, been, I'd already been a pastor for 10 years. And I knew my Bible. I knew everything... The Bible had to say about love, about God, about the Father. I knew all, it was all here. I knew it. Could preach on it and had done many, many times. And then 11 years ago, I'm lying in my bed, talking, my wife's asleep and I'm reading the Bible and I read the book of James and in James 4 verse 7 or 8, it says, um, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, do you want that? And that was this, that was the question that just came into my head and I went, well, what do you mean? He says, well, it's not a verse, which is what I think of all Bible. It's a verse, you know. He says, it's not a verse, it's an experience. Do you want it? I went, well, yeah. So over the next two months, every night when I went to bed, I said, Lord, draw near to me. I just want to encounter you. And I began experiences of being taken to heaven and hearing God and having visions and dreams and all kinds of stuff. But but the majority of that, I met my father. Whether it's in heaven or not in heaven, Paul said the same thing. Whether I was really there or not there, I don't really know, and I don't really care. All I know is I really met the father, and he spoke into me. And for the first time, I saw he showed me, or he took me to a tent. I thought, everybody else goes to a throne room. Everybody else goes to something with gold in it. I'm in a wooden tent, the sides are open, and it looks like an old woodworker's shop, you know what I mean? There's a table in there, and and boxes all over the place. And I said, God, what is it? He says, this is where you work from. I said, I don't understand. So he began to show me that this was the tent of the tribe of Levi, that in heaven I was seen as a priest. That in heaven my ministry has, uh, looks like this. And I began to see what it looked like. And, and so my view of myself on earth changed because of the view I began to have of heaven. This is what the Father began to speak to me about. 
And when I began to realize that the Father has such amazing revelations about you that you've not seen yet. You know it, the Gideon thing, you know, this is the mighty man of valor and he says, I'm the least in the tribes. You know, the two opinions and God's saying, but this is how we see you. Well, I have news for you. I'm not unique. I'm not special. You, God sees you as a worshiper in a way you could never dream you look like. If you saw what you look like as a worship leader, you would not do worship the way you do it down here. Because suddenly you, there's a guy at church who's not even in the worship team because he can't sing and he can't play. And he's seen it. <laughs> he's. I know, I know, the fifth columnist is really getting uncomfortable right now. <laughs> um, the, this guy seen himself, stood with thousands of angels around him, right? And he's just holding up some kind of spear or flag or something and, and they're all worshipping around him. He's leading worship in heaven. And yet he can't sing and he can't play. So what do you think his worship's like when he gets there on Sunday morning? Because he's seen something. And, 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 you know, the whole thing of this teaching is not to give you information, knowledge. It's to, it's to go, what do you think of that? What do you think of that? Be drawn, be drawn, be drawn. Hunger for something. Hunger for something. So, yeah. Um, what was my question? Leading people into worship. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> so... For me, when I, when I get up to lead, or, or now when Steph, who, who plays the bass, but she also leads worship, when she gets up, we're looking for something. We're looking for signs of heaven's activity. We're looking for, uh, I suppose you'd call it the leading of the spirit. You know, that's, that's terminology we would understand. Uh, but, but we're looking for that because we think that actually... We're not really the ones doing the leading. True leaders of worship are being led by what they're witnessing in the spirit. Right? So we don't come as the experts. We come presenting ourselves as the experts to everybody. But, but the truth of the matter is we're going, God, what are you doing? What's happening? Are you, are you here? What, what's right? And learning those signs, learning to understand that, learning to respond to that. You get that first of all together. Well, first of all on your own, second together. But then you can begin to notice that when you're with the congregation. You can begin to sense things that start to move and start to stir. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to just ask this question here. Let's just imagine Sunday morning we're here or we're, wherever we're going to be. And... God's presence comes and people begin to worship out there. I've, I have made it clear and I hope you understand there's a difference between singing and worship. You know, the, okay. Um, so you're, you're, you're at the front, you're leading, you're sensing God's presence on you. you may, I'm somebody, I'm afraid, who keeps my eyes closed. So I have no idea, to be honest, what's going on most of the time. Until I hear something or, you know, I might just open my eyes and have a quick 
you know, glance at what's happening and there'll be three or four people lying on the floor somewhere and I think, oh, you're here, okay, fine. Because I myself am lost in, in worship and awe and, you know, whatever it is of God. I'm seeing him. For me, worship has nothing to do with the song except that the song leads me into a place of adoration and revelation of something more of the heart of my Father or of the heart of Jesus. If I'm not seeing that as I'm worshipping, then I'm simply singing the song and the words that are in the song. But if somehow I get into that, then it no longer becomes about the song. It becomes about this, I, I use this word, this like swirling around throne. We sense that God's presence is, is moving around us. But when that happens, it, it usually falls over into the congregation and you start to sense that, oh, I'm not sure what kind of church you are, so I don't know whether the singing in tongues happens in your church or not, and whether, whether there's spontaneous worship, as in you guys are just playing and people are just singing their own words. I don't know whether that happens, but that's really good to encourage that, you know. When they, if it's your job to lead people into worship, what's your job after they're in? What was that? Keep them there. Yay! I'm, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, everybody, but you're simply a backing track. You've suddenly become the support band to what God is doing in the place it's to lead once we've led them in we've, we've we've completed the task we've brought them to a place where god is here he's moving now we want to encourage that to keep swirling and if it just means we're harmonizing with them we're we're following that flow right absolutely that's what we're about if too many times we've sang that First through now, six times, surely it's time to finish. They're still going for it out there. But we've got four more songs to do on the list, you know what I mean? So let's change the key and do it and everything just goes boom. Because it, it's about us, isn't it? And we're leading it, you know. Who do you think you are, congregation enjoying yourselves? It's us. No, you've, if you've got them in, support them in it, back them in it, harmonise with them. Something we do, and I don't know whether you can see yourselves doing this or not, but it's not only songs, as in words, that, that lead people in, because that can happen, but music itself. So times where it's, it's allowing the, the music to play and seeing if that brings a reaction. It's okay to do that, you know. I'd even recommend this. If you want to try it, you can. Because I don't, I don't want experimenting. It's great. Actually, when you get up one Sunday morning, just start playing some music. It can be a known song, but don't start singing it. And see who starts to pick up on something. See who starts to pick up. And if you think, oh, they're all still nattering, just turn the volume up a little bit. And people start to realise, there's something happening here. And they start to enter into something. And it's not the words. Heaven's coming. Heaven's coming down. And so what we've worked out happens and works for us is that 
often at the end of a song, and I'm sure this is the bit that many of you musicians and singers and worship leaders know, at the end of a song, there's often a good time to just let the music carry on a little bit and, and people just still stay in that, you know. So if you're playing a song in G, you end up doing a, a G and a C or a C and a D or something, or whatever, you know, you just end up playing two chords backwards and forwards and everybody's going, oh, it's amazing, you know. Um, if you sense God start to move on any, any piece of music, don't be afraid to try this. Go quiet and then bring the volume up slightly. Because you'll find that when you do that, they follow. So if they are beginning to praise, when you turn the music up, they will get louder. They will almost feel like, this is an opportunity. And you'll sense it's reached a crescendo, come back down. And they're okay, they'll come back down with you. But don't stop. Just let it play at that nice quiet level for a little bit and then sense... Right, it's time to do this again and bring it back up. And you'll find they will respond, not to the words on the screen, but just to the fact that they're able to express their love and worship. So I don't know where you've ever done that, but that's something that, that, you know, that you can think about if you want to. You don't have to. But I'm just sharing what I think is my own experience, really, to be honest. So, yeah. So for me, then I come to this point, which is probably what, why, why, we, why do we worship? So the first question was, how do we know if we're worshipping? Because we're worshippers and that's, you know, we do. And the aim is not to get, is, is not to lead people into worship. Although that's what we do, that's what our title is, that's what our job is. The aim of worship is to encounter the presence of God. That's, that's what we're really after. That when the Bible says that the Lord inhabits, he sits upon the praises of his people. I don't know about you, but if God really sat upon any of us, we'd be dead. Have you, have you heard the story of Smith Wigglesworth? This, this guy is just, well was, I should say, was just the most ridiculous man of faith, Right? He raised his wife from the dead three times. The third time she said, just let me go, right? <laughs> Literally. He goes to a funeral. Oh my goodness, what is it with this man? He goes to a funeral. He takes the body out of the thing and puts it up on the wall. Stands it against the wall and it slithers down. I don't know what the family are thinking. I don't know what the leadership of the church who've invited him to come and do the funeral service are thinking. He picks it up, slams it against the wall a second time, and it slithers down. By now I'm going, that's it. This, we're, we're shut. A church, we're shut. We'll never be able to have a service again. Picks him up a third time, slams it against the wall, and he comes alive and he walks out. Now only Wigglesworth knows that that's going to happen and God, right? <laughs> Nobody in the room knows that. Everybody knows after it's happened. He's in this place one time. He's, he's in his 80s and he's in Australia. And he's asked to give the, you know, the penultimate speak at, uh, at the conference. And so he he's meets with the, the ministers on an afternoon. 
all the you know international speakers are there and he's an old guy but he's been brought over to speak because he's famous you know and he's God's presence is with him and so they had this the ministers get together in the afternoon they start to uh, pray and they're praying for the evening meeting you know and Wigglesworth gets up and he, he raises his hands and he says let your dominion come that's all he says and then he stands there and the presence of God begins to come down in the room the weight is so heavy one by one all the ministers leave the room till only one man is left with under the weight of God's presence and it's Wigglesworth a young reporter hears the story and he says if, if, if I want to be there if that happens again I want to be there the next day they had a, another meeting for the ministers so he wangles his way in and he writes this is why we know the story because he writes this little reporter writes he says people are praying he says the old man Wigglesworth gets up and he says let your dominion come he says and one by one and he puts it like this according to their level of righteousness <laughs> the ministers left the room until two people were left it says Wigglesworth and the reporter he says and the reporter had two choices get out or die that's what it felt like for him have we ever had that level of presence on our worship neither have we <laughs> but it happens in heaven that's what happens in heaven they begin to sing and the elders fall down and the angels fall down and it's like whoa this is too much for us to stand in this I, I, even though it's not our experience it's my longing and if it becomes our longing then the way we do our worship will be in line with what our longing is your goal is your longing your desire if your desire is for such an encounter then it will determine what songs you'll sing in this place it'll determine whether you'll allow that person to wave that flag or do that tambourine or do because it's like this is sacred this is the moment where we're wanting God's presence to come and fall in this place you know okay cool what does that look like then what does God's presence look like now I'm going to tell you some things that have happened now these have happened in our church and um, they're all weird uh, but one morning the keyboard player didn't arrive and um, as we were worshipping the keyboards were playing because there was an angel stood there playing the keyboard they like worship <laughs> angels like worship almost every week we hear them singing almost every week we hear angels singing because I tell you what my people can't sing that good <laughs> they literally cannot sing that good I've got to play something to you while I'm talking to you okay so some of the things that have 
happened. I, I'm not, you know, it's just like when you go around somebody's house for dinner and they sit there with the, the mobile phone in their hand. I'm preaching you, to you. I've got my mobile phone in there. I'm just looking for something, so you're all right. You'll just carry on. <laughs> uh, we've had water fall upon people during worship. Six people in a different part of the room have had water just splash on them. We, we, we now understand. You know, you've heard the ones about gold, haven't you? Gold dust. Yeah, and people saying about diamonds and things like that, you know. Well, what, what we're saying, what people are saying is, it's just the manifest presence of God. It's God manifesting that is here, but in a way that I think we can cope with and we can understand and we can, you know, it comes into our natural realm, if you like, so we can physically see something. Well, we get that. We get these things happening quite a lot. Uh, trumpets playing well well we don't have any trumpeters and the keyboard player only plays piano we've got an amazing keyboard and he only plays piano (laughs) I'll I'll go with you on that that's fine that's fine Um, okay so I heard about this Uh, you may have heard it too angels singing on caught on tape have you heard this um there was it's going back quite a few years now seven young people in a in a uh, worship team from a church went and had their practice night and uh they decided to record themselves on cassette so you know how long ago this is yeah (laughs) just so you're with it right and they played it back and what what came back uh, was astounding. So I'm going to play you, uh, obviously, a digital version now of, 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 uh, of, of that, that night. Seven young people. And you're going to hear two, two things. One, you're going to, you're going to hear singing that... If, 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 if any choir could sing like this, it would just be amazing. It's an incredible choir. But the second thing you're going to hear, and I'm saying this to you because this is, happens halfway through, is there's a solo verse sung, and none of the seven sang. So this angel, male angel, sings a, ver- a, a verse to this chorus that you'll all know when I start playing it. It's not the best quality, so you might not hear uh, the chorus that he sings perfectly, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go like this, but it's not. It's not <laughs> no, let's see if it plays first of all. So he talks a bit. Check it off on YouTube or something.
I would love that to be something audible for us to hear in our natural day. I mean, what would what would church be like if just suddenly we heard this? You know, the guy who actually um, was speaking on there and and uh, doing the introduction, he he went a few months later to hear a uh, an orchestra playing that song, Hallelujah, and. As it, as it was, as they were playing, he heard he heard the the verse sung that was on here. He heard it sung. And he went to the orchestra leader after. He says, "Who sang that? Who, who sang that verse?" He says, "Because that's the second time I've heard that now." And the, the orchestra leader says, "Nobody's been nobody sang that verse. There was no verse. There isn't a verse." So he's heard it twice, like once on the tape, but then he's heard it for, for real. And I'm kind of going, God. This, this realm of your reality, you know, I mean, it says on the day of Pentecost, there was a rushing mighty wind. When was the last time we had the rushing mighty wind in our churches? And tongues of fire sat on them. When was the last time? You know, what are we really wanting to engage with? What do we really want to encounter? You know, I mean... When, we're, when we've worshipped many times, people physically have been healed. Just while you're worshipping. Not prayed for, just healed because his presence comes. Now, do you get that every time you worship? Well, lots of times you can, yes. May not be the state that we're all in all the time, but I long for that to be. That God, that just as we start worshipping you, somehow... We can become aware of smells and sounds that are not from the natural place, you know. Once we sense that, everything for us changes. Now, now we're not leading anymore. Now we're following. Now we're sensing that there's something other happening here. Okay, so I want to take you from that to a problem that then happens in church. Your church leader's not here, is he? Where are you? You're, you're Chris, no? You're Chris, you're Rich. Great. See, now I can say this to you, because I'm the church leader and the worship leader, and we never get on. <laughs> the, the, this is an area the enemy always tries to bring division between. You know, How long should we give the worship team? The worship team is, is worship more important than the word? The word's more important than worship. You know, and that, that I've, I've lived with it all my life. As, as I've been a worship leader before I was a pastor. And it was, you know, I, I even went to uh, um, a well known church. I was going to say a name then, but I thought, no, better not. And I was asked to do two songs. <laughs> Would you just do two songs? Before this person was going to speak. Just the two songs. And I said, no. I said, I don't do songs. I said, I'll worship. And, as, and when you want to stop it, you can stop it. <laughs> I, I will not do I don't I want to. But anyway, so. <laughs> this, this is what I've had to start doing in my church. This is not about the leadership. This is not about leadership. This is about something I've learned as a leader. And, and maybe this is something that will help you guys. There's, there is often a end of worship 
Then there might be something, 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 and then there's the preaching of the word. Okay? Sometimes it's great, and we go straight from the, pre- from the worship into the preaching of the word. What was the purpose? What are we saying is the purpose of the worship? Is to encounter God, to encounter his presence. So people engage with some part of their body. What is that? What is it that we're after? soul and body what are, what are, what are, what are we trying to get people to engage with those who worship in spirit and truth okay Jesus said this the words that I speak to you they are spirit what, what is he saying he's saying that I'm speaking to your spirit so the word is coming to the spirit the worship is reaching into our spirit for us to become spiritual what i started to notice happen was people were like hi thank you jesus la 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 right let's finish no thank you very much get ready for the sermon get me suck out you know my sweets and have a sit down and get ready because the sermon's coming now a complete mind shift was taking place I spotted it one Sunday. So when I finish worshipping, I say, stop, 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 don't move, don't move. You're in a place with God right now. That's where you're going to hear the word from. The words come to speak to you in that place. If, if you're lying down, stay there. That's it, not me. Okay. I'm sorry, I've, uh, my time's up. Um, <laughs> the cassettes run out. <laughs> Uh, it, it's uh, and what it was doing for me as a, as a as a pastor, but also as a worship leader, was seeing that the whole th- the whole idea of connecting with the spirit is what Jesus has come to do. If we've helped people to do that in worship, then the word is 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 ready to be put into that spirit that's now alive to listen. And of course, when we do that, let's stop. And, I, and okay, now the kids are going to go out. And we just want to say it's wonderful to have you all here this morning and all. We, we break in something and then, then the first sort of five, ten minutes of our sermon is we realise that we've got to do something because they're, they're not fully engaged yet. So, so what we do, we tell a joke. We've learned that's the way to get people engaged again. Listen to me. You, you don't have to do this. I'm just saying uh, this, it's my experience, right? If you find God's presence come during worship, Preach preach if you've got other things to do ask people to do it quietly while you get on with because something has, has awoken something is happening in the spirit the words i speak to you their spirit and their life i mean i've got a whole thing to teach on on preaching and stuff like that because for me that's just the same as the worship i don't believe at all that i should preach and never see a reaction never i think there should be people weeping there should be people crying while i'm preaching I think people should be laughing. I think sh- people, sh- people stand up on their chairs and begin to repent while I'm preaching. It happens. Because I'm not speaking to their ears and the natural one. I'm, I'm, the words I'm speaking, are sp- if they're spirit, what is that? What, what are words that are spirit? They're carrying something from God. 
He calls it life. There's spirit in their life. So there should be reactions. Understand what I'm saying? So for me, when I was asked to speak about and, and be part of your worship thing, I can't separate that off for me anymore. That that's just like, you know, I'm teaching you guys how to do it. And, you know, well, all the rest of the stuff is, it's actually, no, this is, this is the whole purpose of, of meeting is meeting with God. In the message, in the, in the kids' work, in the worship, in the, the whole purpose is to meet with God. And what's meeting with God? Something happens. There's manifestation of his presence, of his glory. So I'm, I was on a prayer meeting, I was turning towards the wall, and I, I, I smelt this perfume. And I said, God, what is that? He says, that's my presence. He says, walk around the room, and whenever you smell that, that smell... Pray for the person who, who you walk past. So I said to everybody, I said, I'm ever so sorry. I said, but the Lord's asked me to just have a walk around. So they're all kind of not knowing what I'm doing at all. So, so I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> and I come past by this guy and there's the smell. There's that smell. I said, I've got to pray for you. Stand up. So he stood up and I just said, Father, I just welcome you. <laughs> he fell to the floor. I couldn't stand up for an hour and a half. His legs had gone. I went, okay, I don't even know what you're doing, Lord. I'm not really bothered. It's your business, but I'll move on. So I walked around and I, was, I came past this guy who's he's been a friend of mine for a lot of years, but he's, he goes to another church now. And, but he'd come to this prayer meeting and, 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 he would, and as I walked past, the smell was there. So I sat next to him. He, hadn't, he didn't stand up, he was sat down. So I sat next to him, I put my arm around him, never said anything. We began to laugh. We ended up on the floor, holding our stomachs, crying with laughter. I don't know what God's doing. All I know is that if, if you become sensitive to things God shows you and, that, and you follow that, there's going to be some, something taking place. Because we're, we're kind of saying, heaven come down, aren't we? You know, that's, that's what we're doing. Um, so I, I hope that was okay to share, share that, that, that with you guys. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. Okay, and the last thing um, with regards to the teaching bit is... Uh, I, I've recently read a book and uh, listened to some teaching by a, a guy called Andrew Walmack. I don't know whether you know him, heard of him or whatever. And he's done some teaching on the spirit, soul and the body, which is... Really, really interesting stuff. So, when you and I became a Christian, um, we were born again from above, a new creation, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, what's the part of us that's born again that that is made alive in Christ? What is that? It's the spirit. We have a new spirit. The spirit of Christ comes to dwell within us. So, so is is the spirit that's come you and in me complete or is it weak the spirit that's come within you is complete the Bible says and we are complete in him well I know and I'm assuming you know that that bit ain't complete my soul and my body ain't complete so how can I be complete in him because in my spirit I am all I was meant to be Right? I'm a new creation. The old is gone. 
The old dead spirit, the spirit that had no life, has gone. There's a new creation. I, I am all that heaven designed me to be is within me. Right? If it's all within me, why am I always going, oh God, would you give me some more? My problem isn't how to get more from God, it's how to release more that's in me. Out. I'm glad you're getting this. So here's a little illustration. I'm not going to do a lot of teaching on this, just got five minutes. When you get up in the morning, how do you know if you look all right? What do you do? You look in the mirror, don't you? You know? Anybody ever tried going out without looking in the mirror? Yeah, I put my glasses on. See? 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 It's, it's not a good trick. It's not a good trick. You know? You, you've been in bed, you've got that sort of hair thing, you know? Well, some of us might have, you know? <laughs> Where it's stuck up and you just go out and you, you would never dream of going out. You know? Look at, well, maybe one, oh, maybe just one. <laughs> you, you wouldn't do that. You, why do you, so why do you do that? Why do you look in the mirror? So you don't go, it's not, is it because you forgot what you look like? No, it's because you want to make sure you look how you should look, right? So, how do, how, do we, how do you know what you look like in your spirit? What's the mirror? How can you, how can you go, Lord, you've told me I'm completing you, but I, how do I know? I need a mirror to look in. The Bible calls the Bible the mirror. <laughs> that we look into the word. And, and by faith, we, we look here and say, okay, God, I'm feeling terrible. I'm feeling really miserable. I feel like I'm a sinner. I feel I'm, like I'm rotten. But what does your word say? Oh, I'm your son. Oh, you love me. That's who I am. You look into the mirror. Look into the, yeah. <laughs> look into the mirror and live. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say any more about that. Just was like a little teaser for you to think about that one. Because what I want to do now is, is, is do these original designs I had uh, for you guys.